This is the World War II Radio Podcast. A date which will live in infamy. This is London. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Go ahead, Berlin. This is the National Broadcasting Company. World War II radio podcast. This week we have CBS News analyst Elmer Davis offering a behind-the-scenes look at CBS's coverage of the war in Europe. This segment first broadcast over CBS on June 1st, 1941. The World War II radio podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production. If you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You can also support the show by clicking on the link in the show notes and offering your financial support. Your donations help us continue to produce the podcast. And thanks to those of you who have already donated. So thanks for listening, and enjoy today's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Elmer Davis, CBS News analyst, who returned this week from a five-week survey of conditions in the British Isles, at this time takes the Columbia Network's nationwide audience on a personally conducted tour of the CBS newsroom. Mr. Davis will describe one network's coverage of the war. As you all know, the European war is at once the greatest and most difficult assignment radio journalism has had to handle since its inception early in the 20s. The Columbia Broadcasting System was prepared for thorough, precise coverage of the war. And now Elmer Davis will return over most of these stations at 8.55 p.m. tonight, Eastern Daylight Saving Time, for his first broadcast under the exclusive sponsorship of Palmolive Soap, will tell you how Columbia covers the war. Mr. Davis. Most of you may be familiar with my nightly broadcasts and perhaps have wondered occasionally about some of the things that take place behind the scenes prior to the broadcast. I would like to tell you now about Columbia's facilities and problems so that you can realize the scope of the forces that are being put to work for you. After a year and a half of war, when many countries have fallen under foreign domination, it's naturally harder than it was in the beginning to get the news or perhaps rather to get at the truth. For much of the so-called news that comes from Europe these days is not necessarily the same as fact. The story may be utterly untrue how it passes, with consequent effects on public opinion or on government action, or in the sense that some government or some group has an interest in putting out the story for purposes of its own. From that viewpoint, it could be said that in this country, the difficulty of getting at the facts is that we have too much news too many conflicting reports of diverse origins. But it is the business of a news organization to assess and analyze and compare these reports in the hope of approximating as closely to the truth as possible. And after all, it's a good deal easier to do that in this country, where more news is available than anywhere else in the world, than to do it in other nations 
where, as a rule, most of the information comes from one side, if not from one source. The Columbia Newsroom draws on about all the possible sources of information and tries to shake down what it gets into the most accurate picture that can possibly be drawn. First in volume comes the full wire services of the three great American press associations, the Associated Press, United Press, and International News Service, whose teletype printers are ticking away all day long, bringing in the news as gathered by American correspondents in all parts of the world. Even as I talk to you now, these machines are spelling out the news of the moment. Let's listen to them briefly. In bulk, most of the news you hear on the air comes from these sources, which are the same, of course, as the sources of most of the news in your daily newspapers. But we believe, or at least we hope, that at Columbia, not being under the obligation to have a big new headline in a precisely limited space for each new edition, we are able to serve that news up with a more judicious estimate of its probable value than is commonly done in print. To do this, we have a staff of news editors who rewrite the news as it comes in, who write it for the ear instead of for the eye. Let us turn on a microphone in the newsroom and hear the clatter of typewriters as news programs are rewritten. Again, you will hear in the background Press Association teletypes. Like the newspapers, we also have our own special correspondents. In almost all of Europe, with the exception of Russia, which has never admitted American radio correspondence and allows press association correspondence to send nothing but official announcements or material that appears in the government press, correspondents all over Latin America and in many parts of the Far East as well. Working under censorship everywhere in Europe, as of course all newspaper and press association correspondents must work too, these men are nevertheless able to bring us not only the news in their various countries, but in some countries background material of immense value as to social conditions and public opinion. Little of this is now possible in Germany or the occupied countries. But from England and the Near East, the direct reports of correspondence are still of great value in building up the general picture as well as in presenting the news of the day. Censorship in England, where I have recently observed it, applies only to matters which government officials regard as likely to give information of military value to the enemy. No correspondent, whether for the air or for the printed page, objects to this in principle. But naturally, there is often considerable disagreement as to whether a given piece of news is likely to fall into that classification. Differences of opinion between government officials on the one hand and broadcasters or news writers on the other, and sometimes differences of opinion between government officials themselves. Some of them would be inclined to be more liberal in releasing news than are the service ministries. But in a pinch, the Admiralty, the War Office, and the Air Ministry have the last word. As perhaps they should have in theory even if there's often disagreement with their judgment on the part of people who realize the importance of news and opinion in this war, as servicemen very often do not. But there is no censorship over opinion and commentary. Generally speaking, American correspondents are under the same restrictions as the British press, qualified only by the vagaries of individual censors who have some latitude for judgment as to what news is likely to be valuable to the enemy, and sometimes disagree among themselves. 
American newspaper correspondents sometimes complain that the censorship is easier on the radio correspondents than it is on them. Radio correspondents would not agree with that at all. But just as the British press, though the news at its disposal is sometimes inadequate, is able to fill up its columns with feature material, which is often quite critical of governmental shortcomings, so American broadcasters are at liberty to report their impressions of public opinion and of social and economic tendencies in England, whether their conclusions are those that public officials would approve or not. In the Axis nations, and in the territories which they, can, which they control, this is distinctly not the case. But in England, freedom of speech survives, limited only by precautions of a military nature which everyone approves in principle, even though often disagreeing with their particular application. Supplementing all of these facilities, and of immense value in receiving and assaying the news in such a war as this, is Columbia's shortwave listening station. Here all day long, trained linguists, all of them trained newsmen too, are listening to broadcasts from two dozen points in Europe, Asia or Africa. Broadcasts which are being, in, which being intended for foreign consumption are normally in English, French, German, or Spanish. But our staff of translators is able to handle a number of other languages too. And here from such points as Moscow, Ankara, and Saigon, and Leopoldville, as well as from London and Berlin and other more familiar points of origination, there comes over the air the news that foreign governments want to get across to the outer world, not to mention the broadcasts from four or five so-called freedom stations, secret transmitters which purport to be operated in Germany or the occupied countries by organizations working against the Nazis. They are operated by such organizations, though it is possible that some of them may be located in England. Now, indeed, much of this news is propaganda. Indeed, practically all of it is propaganda, but propaganda, whether true or false, is apt to be news. From these shortwave broadcasts, we find out what foreign governments want other nations to believe, and it is usually possible to infer what they want other nations to do in support of that belief. Perhaps you would be interested in what goes on in our shortwave listening station. We'll open our microphone in the listening room, a glass-enclosed room just off our news studio. We hope you were able to hear at that point the Italian radio giving out its news for foreign consumption. At the same time, our shortwave listening station could also pick up the British Broadcasting Corporation, transmitting at this moment in either Arabic or in Dutch, or the Stockholm radio sending out news in Swedish, and the Algiers radio in French, while to the south of us, Guatemala is shortwaving in Spanish. And finally, there are numerous news or propaganda services of foreign governments received in our newsroom by mail. British, German, Chinese, Japanese, Russian, Free French, Polish, Dutch, Norwegian, Czech, which often contain news items that do not appear in the regular press association reports. This is especially true of the news services operated by the governments or national committees of the conquered or occupied nations from which news and information as to social conditions is smuggled out. 
And also, there are a few small private news services available to our staff from which occasional items of moderate importance may be gathered. Direct telephone communication between Columbia's foreign correspondents and our news editor permits two-way discussion of the trend of the news and probable developments so that on both sides of the ocean, members of the Columbia Broadcasting System news staff have a better idea of what to look forward to in the days ahead. Now you will hear Paul White, our Director of News Broadcasts, and Edward R. Morrow, Chief of our London staff. This process of setting future programs, exchanging information, and passing on assignments takes place at least twice daily. Hello, CBS London. Hello, London. Hello, Paul. First, I want to check tonight's uh, 2330. That's the golf program. Uh, we have you down from 2335 to 2340. Is that what you have? Right, and under Cairo. Yes, you will introduce Cairo. I believe it's to be Cecil Brown. It might possibly be uh, Charlie. And will you have a chance to listen to Cairo on the Q channel before uh, you go on? Right. Uh, what is uh, your report on that program? How does it shape up now? Which one, Paul? On the 2335. Oh, well, it looks now as though the only thing that's going to be up is uh, a little more detail on the Crete story. And uh, Alexander's broadcast to the Navy, which he will be doing in about uh, four or five minutes' time. You haven't heard anything more from Lee White, have you? Hello? Uh, hello, London. Yes, Paul. Uh, London, I'm not hearing you in my phones now, uh, but uh, I know that uh, you're probably coming in all right so that you can be heard on the air. Uh, will you... Uh, and we can take it down stenographically uh, elsewhere. Will you tell us something about this uh, Round London program that we're planning now either for June 7 or June 14? Uh, right. It's not yet set definitely, but it looks as though it will be the 14th. And what I thought we'd do would be to uh, open the show in a hospital and then move over to an anti-aircraft gun position where the predicting and the calculating is being done by women. And then a pickup from the uh, Piccadilly Circus subway station and uh, a rumba band from a nightclub, and then end with about uh, 45 seconds from the top of Big Ben. That's fine, Ed. I put on another pair of phones, and I uh, heard the last part of that. Uh, that program is now planned over here our time from 6.35 to 7, uh, one of those Saturdays, and uh, that'll be 22.35 to 2300 GMT. Right. Have you heard anything further in regard to this proposed broadcast between uh, Herbert Morris and the Mayor LaGuardia? No, it's definitely on from this end, and it's only a case of straightening out the times when we can get uh, uh, LaGuardia and Morrison both free at the same time. That's well. All right, I'll see you before the uh, 7.30 show. Right, Paul, one other thing. Uh, would you check with John Winant on this broadcast with uh, Bev and the Minister oh, later tomorrow night? All the sources we have described comes into the Columbia newsroom for sifting by our staff. Throughout the day, the CBS news programs offer the best pictures that can be drawn of the situation up to the moment of broadcast, with the advantage over newspaper publication of being able immediately to put the very latest news on the air. The 8.55 Eastern Daylight Saving Time news program comes at a time when the day has long been over in Europe and the day's news is about all in, when the night is already more than half gone and the preliminary picture of the night's activity can usually be sketched. We do our best to sort it all out for you and give you what seems most important and most likely to be true. You have been listening to Elmer Davis, CBS News analyst, tell how Columbia assembles and analyzes the day's news for the American listening public. Elmer Davis has just returned from a five-week survey of conditions in the British Isles. And later this evening at 8.55 p.m. Eastern Daylight Saving Time, 
He will be heard over most of these stations under the exclusive sponsorship of the Palmolive Soap Company. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.